Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, girlfriendit.com, and the movement, Girlfriendit, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. So the big question of the day, do other women see you as a safe haven? Well, what exactly would we say is a safe haven? And how do we know if somebody really is safe, if our story is safe with them? I know. And that's a good point. We've been talking about that this morning. Um, Just how can you tell when people are being genuine and authentic? And I will say, even with our relationship for the past 15 years, Lise, don't you feel that... um, People can just sense that, that they know, they even see it in us, that we absolutely have each other's back. And we have so many, so many times when we're speaking at conferences and people don't even really know us. It just, it's like a weekend gig and they come up saying, I, I want what you guys have. Like, how do you have that? How do you get that kind of friendship that it's obvious that you guys are a safe place to each other? Well, and I think friendship, it's not, you know, it's something that you have to be intentional with and you have to really, um, you have to model it. And I know that we learned it from our moms, watching our moms and how they, um, with their friends and they poured into it and kind of a legacy. And that was so important to us because when we both lost our moms, we go like, okay, we want to continue that legacy. And it's so significant for women to connect and do life together. And we were noticing that women were just, you know, kind of doing snippets and touching base, you know, quickly and not really taking time to get to know each other. Well, this topic, as we said, is really a heartbeat for us. And we believe so much in um, the friendships of women and what can happen when women come together and they rally together and they're a safe place for each other and they can really kind of dream and scheme together. And so we are excited about our show and our guests. So before we get too much farther into our show, we want to remind you that you're listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So joining us now, we do have our special guest, Pamela Havy-Lau, and she is the author of several books, including A Friend in Me and Soul Strength, and numerous articles for such publications as Christian Scholars Review and Christianity Today. Well, she's a graduate of Liberty University and Colorado State University, and she has taught writing at George Fox University and speaks around the country at conferences and retreats. She has three daughters, and she began teaching and writing at private day schools until 2010 when she started her own business, Real Life, Real Image, where she writes, edits, and speaks. And she is married to Dr. Brad Lau, a college administrator, and the two of them make their home near Portland, Oregon with their three daughters. So welcome to our show, Pamela. How are you today? It's a beautiful morning here in Portland, and it's great to be with you ladies. 
Well, Portland, it's rare when I, it's a beautiful morning when I've been there because it always <laughs> seems to be. Well, I have to tell you, our summers are why people live here. <laughs> they are yes, beautiful. Yes. There's no humidity. It's a great place to be now. I have a niece that lives there, and um, she raves about it. But coming from Arizona, you you crave the rain, so it's it's definitely <laughs> That's true. Rain. That's yeah. true. We all want to go visit her. Um, so, well, this is so exciting. I have to tell you, Pamela, Lisa and I have been chatting this morning, and you so speak our lingo um, just on friendships, and uh, we just don't take the time to really have those authentic friendships, and I think so many times people just give up. They try to get close to someone, and they get hurt, and I don't know if it's just the junior high a little girl in us that comes out where um, we don't put ourselves out there. And uh, Lisa and I say all the time, you just really have to pray. You have to pray for that friendship. Uh, yes, I agree. God to put that person in, in, your, in your life. So I got to ask you, why did it take you almost seven years to write <laughs> this book, A Friend in Me? I know. It's, it's a little humbling to admit that, huh? <laughs> well, I think what happened was my first book was a Bible study on Joshua and the Armor of God, and so I just assumed that's what God had for me next was another Bible study. So I was deep in teaching and speaking on Psalm 119, thinking that's where I was going. And I, all I can say is the Lord just kept showing me over and over, Pam, I want you to pay attention to the women in your life at a different level, and I want you to pay attention to the women you're teaching. I want you to pay attention to your daughters in a way where you just listen. Mm. And I was like, okay, okay, I get that. But as, as I kept moving on, I realized that there was a problem. And so when that stirring was happening, I realized I had to lay my pen down, I had to put my assumptions down and say, okay, if I'm not writing a Bible study, but yet I'm still studying the Word, mm -hmm. what is it that I'm doing? And that's why it took time, because first God just revealed to me the problem, and then he started bringing large groups of um, women who I could ask questions of and talk to. But then it was when he had me turn and look at the women who were, quite, who were younger than I was, and who I was teaching uh, college writing to, and that's when he would say, um, that's when he showed me that they are longing and wanting to have this deep relationship with us, and it wasn't happening. And so that's why it took time, because not only did I have to identify the problem, but then I also had to let him heal me in my own life so that I could be part of the healing process. Mm, and that is a great story. I, I think so many times, I know with Lisa and I, when we have been out you know, speaking at conferences about friendships, where uh, people will make a comment that you guys are focusing too much on the relationships and not enough about your relationship with God. And, oh, interesting. Well, and I think it's because so many times that... Um, if 
people aren't getting the love Jesus. Well, I shouldn't say they're not getting, maybe they are, maybe, maybe it's just my perception, but, um, loving Jesus and loving others that that God brings these relationships into our life, which actually chisels us and grows us where you're, um, just moving forward to Christ. And I think there was this time, this era of, you just had to be in, in God's word, God's word, God's word. Like don't put trust in others. Which, That's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, God created us to put that trust in others and that trust in him. It's mm. not like you're taking away from your relationship with Christ. You're, you're moving it forward. Um, it's that triangle. And um, don't, don't you think, Lisa, that we have had that with a little bit of that tension there? Mm-hmm. I, I do think it in um, it, I, it, it is it's been like a tension to to manage kind of thing because it, it's balancing that because it's kind of a new angle in some ways because I think we've been so immersed in you know the one part of the relationship which is Christ but like it is really it's a community and we yeah. help each other grow as we grow closer to each other we're growing hopefully closer to Christ through that and you know. God created us for relationships and we, and we have to get this right. And that's kind of been our heartbeat. It's like, we have to figure out how we love each other well, because that's mm. what the world is looking at, you know? And it's like, if we can't get it right. So there, it really is significant how we relate to each other and even across the generations. Yeah, I agree. And I actually even write a little bit about how there's a lie that we've believed that we need only Christ. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's that's exact. You guys are totally hitting on this. That that really was an era of our of part of our evangelical background. That yes, you, you know, have your solitude time with God, which you absolutely need, right? Mm-hmm. But take, but let that transfer into that that um, that unfailing love to to the people to the women around you specifically. And I really felt like that was what God was trying to break even from me. Break break that down for me. You yes, you need me. And yes, I can meet all your needs, but there's a richness of life when you mm. have that across the generations and, and in your female relationships. So I really appreciate that you're seeing that because it's so true and he longs for us to have that. Mm. Well, and I think so many times, we, especially among women, there's so much drama <laughs> at times. Uh, yes. and, and we're even seeing it within the churches, like a lot of churches going, I don't want to deal with that. So we're not going to really focus on women. And even kind of doing away with <laughs> yeah. with ministries to women because it is it is it's sometimes it's a war zone you know and women mm-hmm. not getting the way they think and you have you know it, it can cause division and um and it's a lot of, it's exhausting at times so we it's mm-hmm. like but these relationships so matter and I think a lot of times I, I know you have three daughters and Patty and I both have daughters and. It is, we, we, you know, we learned from our moms. Fortunately, we had good role models, but not everybody has that. To know, right. How do That's I right. love? How do I treat? Should I pour into other people, let people into my life? Because we've become very guarded in our relationships. Yes. And we just have like two minutes till we take a break. But talk about this a little bit, how, you know, um, opening up, allowing ourselves to open up and to be vulnerable to other people. Um, you know, and, and letting people into our life. 
Well, I think that's a great question, Mike. The concept that I uh, developed in the book is called being a safe haven. So if you're a safe haven, then you are someone who others can be vulnerable with. But we need to become that. We need to become someone who can be authentic. And what do we mean by being authentic? Well, you're, ha- you're in a real relationship. You're being your real self, and that's in real time, meaning mm-hmm. that you're not just talking always about your past, but you're living in the here and now with that person. And that's become difficult. That's become really hard for us. And I love that you're talking about that your moms were role models for you because that's what the world of women is lacking right now. Mm-hmm. They're not able to see. So what does it look like to really live in this in a vulnerable place? Does that mean I just tell everyone everything all the time? No way. That would be foolish. Well, and on, that note, when, on that note, we're going yeah. to take a break because okay. it, it is all about <laughs> discernment and when and at what point. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come right back And because this, this is such a heartbeat and such a great subject that women, we all need to hear this. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. had a brain freeze that excruciating headache you get when you drink or eat anything cold too fast what's the word for eating quickly yaffling the medical term for a brain freeze is phenopalatine ganglioneuralgia brain freezes are caused by a nerve center along the roof of your mouth which controls blood flow to your brain when this nerve center gets too cold it tries to warm things up by dilating the blood vessels to your brain which causes that intense pain you feel in your head also known as a shake ache, frigid face, freezy, or slurpy tumor. Brain freezes only last for about 30 seconds, but those 30 seconds can seem like forever. Next time you need quick relief from a brain freeze, try putting your tongue in the roof of your mouth or drinking something warm. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Welcome back to our show. In her new book, And a Friend in Me, Pamela shows women how to be a safe place for those who are in earlier stages of life, teaching them habits for strengthening bonds, such as offering comfort, acting uh, with understanding, and relating with compassion. And Pamela, you were just talking about how women are really craving that they're craving the the mentors in their life and they're they're craving the the good role models and um it's it's really interesting because um i'm i'm actually a high school leader at my church and i'm blown away by how many um, girls they're just they're texting you all the time saying can you go have coffee with me can i come over to your house <laughs> And it's like you're trying to figure out because it's so, uh, you know, you love every one of them. And it's just the time. It's so time consuming. You're trying to go, okay, how can Mm. I make this where they can all come at a certain time? Um, But yet, you know, they want that one on one time where they're just craving that that role model because most of them don't have that in their life. Um, so you actually offer, uh, some five patterns that women need to practice for initiating these relationships and, and talking through some, you know, tough issues, which I love it because you're talking about faith and forgiveness, sexuality and vocation. And, and I do believe that so many times women shy away from some of these conversations. They don't go into that, that depth of the conversation. So what, what would those five patterns be? Well, the first one that um, is in the chapter is the uh, getting to the other side of pain and suffering. And the reason that chapter is so important is that oftentimes as we might have gone through something when we were younger or in our 20s, 30s, whatever. We all have had suffering. But the, but the only way that we have anything to offer another person is if we've allowed the Spirit of God to get us to the other side of that pain and suffering where we have some gold to offer someone. It doesn't do us any good when you when that young girl starts telling you about something that happened to her and it lights up something in you and you can't respond because you're like oh, that happened to you know that happened to me and and you know suddenly you're you're kind of come over with emotion or but when we've allowed the spirit of God to heal us the way He wants to then we can be um, uh, the right person for them at that time. The second pattern is the power of healing comfort. And in this chapter, you know, I talk a little bit about that, you know, comfort can be a very physical thing. And I tell my story in this chapter. I was 14 when my family fell apart and my mom left our home and I was really involved in a church and um, went to a uh, Christian school. But you know what? That wasn't enough. You know, I was desperate and what brought me comfort sometimes, you know, I, I write how the the young heart needs comfort like every hour, you know, <laughs> and what brought me comfort sometimes was someone made me a meal or mm-hmm. someone would just, the way they, their tone of voice with me, mm-hmm. it was like, it's going to be okay, Pam, you know, it's going to, you need that, that's what comfort does, but if you haven't received that comfort, you aren't going to know how to give it. And then the third pattern is acting with understanding. And in this chapter, um, probably even though it's a, a, a sounds like a simple concept, you know, our lives as women have become inflexible. We don't. We have become overcommitted. We don't like that, but we have. Yeah. So, but the God of the universe sometimes has these divine moments for us, and it's like, can you respond to this just right now? 
you know, not everything, not all the time, but if we're listening to the Spirit and something comes across our path, are you going to say, well, I think I could help you three weeks from this Tuesday? Well, that's not going to do anyone any good. So there are, that's just, a, just having us aware, not that, we might, not that we're going to fix someone's life, but there might be that divine moment when God says, I want you to act. And then the fourth is knowing full forgiveness, and this was the hardest chapter to write. I write about how, um, how God had invited me to stay in relationship with my mom and to live in the process of forgiveness. It was not a one-time thing, but we've, we've been in relationship for more than, you know, more years. And it's a process. And as women, when we can walk and live in the, in the forgiveness that Christ came to give us, that is one of the greatest examples to another woman. Mm. And they're not seeing it. They don't know what it looks like to live, to forgive today, and to forgive again tomorrow and the next day. Mm. And then finally, um, the fourth, fifth pattern is relating with compassion. And um, I tell the story of how when a woman who was very close to me uh, told me she had an affair. And, you know, I just wanted to fix her. I just wanted to get everything right. Well, the Spirit of God led me to go worship first and then respond to her, and his compassion is what came alongside her, not a spirit of um, condemnation. And that's what the younger women tell me they're longing for. They want the spirit of compassion. They know they may have made a bad decision, or they know that maybe what they're feeling isn't right, but they don't need us to, to correct. Maybe that will come later. But what, what happens when the Spirit of God of compassion comes alongside them, that tenderness and that kindness brings so much more transformation. Mm-hmm. That spirit of compassion is so significant. I, I agree. I've even had um, women come along that have been so wounded by the church or by some, an individual mm-hmm. because all of a sudden they're pouring their heart out and someone is sitting there quoting scripture and using scripture to judge them. And for them to just, you know, we, we can definitely be abusive with scripture and not even realize that now they don't want to have anything to do with the Jesus that we're talking about. And um, we think, Oh, but God's word is sharper than any two edged sword. This is what's going to help you. And Right. To have that discernment and go, no, it's the compassion. It's being the Jesus with skin on that's going to guide them and help them along. And I love how you said that the scripture can come later or, you know, maybe that can be at another time. It doesn't. So many times I feel like if we don't speak the truth in them right then, we feel like we failed rather than just. Yes, that's such a good way to put it. That's Mm. such a good way to put it. And that's not our that's not our job. Mm. But when we're listening to the Spirit, then we're led. God will show us when we need to speak up and when we need to be silent. But, boy, that takes a great tuning in. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think in our old old patterns as, as, um, you know, I think – of evangelism is you gotta, you gotta hit it right away, you know? And so I think, yeah, that's so good. Mm-hmm. you know, and it's translated into, okay, I have to get everything out right now to them. And what, what happens is first of all, we overwhelm them and we shame them. And I think we're kind yes. of known for that, mm-hmm. um, more than we're known for comp- being compassionate. And so it's like, you know, how do we change the culture within the, the church at large 
where we're known not for what we stand against, but what we stand for, which is compassion and love. And I think that's our challenge. And I think that's where women have a great opportunity to change that culture because we, we are wired for relationships and we are more the nurturers. And how do we start really being intentional with that and pouring into the next generation with that? You know, we really need to humble ourselves. And that's not a popular uh, concept to talk about. Mm-hmm. But when we are truly in that um, place of, 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 you know, kneeling before God and, for, and others and being humble and not trying to compete and not trying to always talk about our brand and who we are and what accomplishments we have, I mean, that's very intimidating to people. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that's become our identity. I can't figure out how it happened, but it did. And I think social media play a big part in yes. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but when we truly are identifying our 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 hearts with with the love and nature of Christ, you that cannot be denied. That that's mm-hmm. our motive. So I was talking to somebody this week of, of why it's become so difficult, you know, for women in the in the church and in the Christian world to be close in this way. And really what I think has happened is I've seen where agendas have been introduced. We always think the next meeting is a connection. Mm-hmm. Well, that person's going to let me meet. The, oh, isn't that a great connection? And that, that's great. And there's a place for that, but not in what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. next time that I meet with, even with, let's say I meet with one of my daughters and I say, we're going to spend some time together. Is that because it's, it's going to get me to the next thing? No, she should be the end of my purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen that my younger women friends feel sometimes when they're with all with women who are so spiritual and tied into the Christian community. They feel like there's a little bit of an agenda back there, and that needs to be gone. And I think we need to confess that. Mm. Well, you're you're spot on on that because, and I think, like you said, social media has played a lot into that. And we do, we are, we are, we have become very myopic on all this and building kind of like we, what we like to say is we kind of build our own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, and we do focus on that and, and not, not that it's always intentional. It's just it, before we know it, that's what's happening because that's what we're seeing around us. So how do we start having these conversations? Like what you're saying, which is so significant. How do we start addressing it, calling it out and going, what if this meeting was all there was, you know, we're not yes. anything more yeah. and start putting that out there and challenging each other in that and challenging the next generation. To, and gosh, it's so, it's so much free, freer. It's very free. Yeah, thank you. you That's the word. Uh, it's freedom. Yes. And we're holding, we're holding women captive to a certain, um, like, okay, you join me in this movement and you join me in this, you know, we're holding them captive in a way, like making them choose. Mm-hmm. So I think the way out of this is, um, you know, having a conversation like we're having right now and really asking and asking God to change us. Um, the one thing I wanted to tell you is that um, God brought my mother-in-law into my life in a very vulnerable point, and she was a very godly woman. And you know what she said to me one day? She said she, used to, she was a Bible study leader for BSF for years. So she was focused on Scripture. She was um, healthy in many, many ways. And one time she said to me, Pam, I want you to know that I'm pouring my life into you because I want you to surpass me. 
Mm. And when I think about that, I think, who says that to somebody? Mm. What kind of woman would say that to another Christian woman? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we start. Do we really want the women who are closest to us to surpass us? Because if we did, we would change the world. Absolutely. And, you know, Pamela, again, thank you for joining our show. We have to go. It's been such a significant conversation, and hopefully this is the beginning of many more to come. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. How would you like to put a little razzle-dazzle and bling into your summer vacation? A woman from Colorado found the Crater of Diamonds State Park on an Arkansas highway map and decided to check it out. In the Crater of Diamonds State Park, visitors can dig for diamonds and other precious stones and are allowed to keep whatever they find. Bobby Oscarson was doing just that in a muddy area known as the Pig Pen when she was gobsmacked to find a glistening white diamond half the size of a quarter. Shaped like an icicle, the 8.5 carat gem was enough to make any Flappadocia proud. Finding a diamond is any macabre's dream. Those are people who come up with elaborate schemes for making or finding money. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. Our next guest, Bob Smithhauser, co-hosts the Official Adventures and Odyssey podcast. He's an author and senior editor with over 20 years of service at Focus on the Family. And Bob also provides a Christian perspective on popular entertainment via articles and blogs and hosts the weekly official Plugged In podcast. He lives in Colorado Springs with his wife and two children. And that sounded like I said plugged in, but I meant plugged in podcast. So, Bob, how are you today? I'm doing well. Patty and Lisa, thanks for having me on. 
Yes, we are so excited. We I don't know if you if you got an opportunity to listen to the first part of the show, but it was it was all girl talk. So I hope you had a, a mug of coffee in your hand so you could be a good girlfriend here. But um, I can't wait to hear all the things that um, that you're doing, and you have a, a book coming out. So tell us a little bit more about your story and what led you to this part of your life. Well, it's a it's been a rather adventurous. Uh, God has a way of taking us places that we never really thought we were going to go. We um, you mentioned a lot of my involvement with Plugged In and and the. Uh, culture watching. I uh, did that for about 20 years, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm now the uh, producer of the Odyssey Adventure Club, which is part of our, uh, of course, our radio drama Adventures in Odyssey, which has been around for 27 years, if you can believe wow. that. 20, Almost 28. We're almost hitting our 28th year. And uh, and that show has just been such a tremendous blessing. Um, you know, as I was doing those years of service through Plugged In, I was raising children, and my children loved Adventures in Odyssey. So the opportunity to be part of that podcast was a blessing. And now, of course, being full-time member of the staff and uh, running the Adventure Club is, is just a, a, a very exciting opportunity. Okay, so you were like the really super, super duper cool dad because <laughs> for your kids, they were like, oh, unbelievable. This is who my dad is, right? That's right. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if they completely appreciated it at the time. I think they must have thought all kids' dads did those kinds of things. That's funny. <laughs> so, so that was normal for them. But to other people, they're like, wow, that is way cool that you can do yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, usually their friends kind of brought them into it. And then, oh, hey, wow, your dad does that? That's pretty wild. And they kind of shrugged their shoulders. But I think that now that my, my daughter's 18, my son is 14, I think they do appreciate it a little bit more. They always liked getting a chance to hear the episodes uh, before they aired on the radio and before most other people got a chance to hear them. They did enjoy that. That is, that's pretty sweet. Okay, well, I have to ask you, because you're talking about, you know, basically longevity, you know, going into the 28th year and producing all this stuff. That is really rare in kind of our culture now, the longevity of something, because everything's being, you know, reinvented, repositioned, whatever, which you have to do to something with the longevity. But how do you keep the creativity um, there amongst things and, and keeping current without losing, you know, the core of what you guys are doing? That's a really good question. Um, the writers, and, and of course, I'm in awe of the writers just like everybody else is because I, I've, I've not lived in that creative part of it. But I, I observe that, and I, I really see um, that God has blessed these guys with clear vision of who their audience is and why they're doing what they're doing. And then just the, the inspiration, I can only attribute it to the Lord because they have done nearly 800 radio episodes, mm. 800 episodes. And I just ask myself, how do you not do the same things over and over again, you know? Yeah. And granted, mm -hmm. when you're talking to kids, uh, there are, you know, you, there are certain themes that are recurring, you know, mm -hmm. honesty and, and, you know, trusting God and things like that. But they always find new ways to spin them. And you asked a really good question about how do you keep it current and yet not have it, uh, you just have that become uh, more important in some ways than the message. Uh, and, and they do a really good job of it. I, I'm not sure exactly. I wish Nathan Hubler were on here with me because he could give you a better feel for sort of the what goes on in the writers' meetings. But I know that they're uh, very conscious of, for instance, the presence of the Internet now. If you go back and you listen to 
some older episodes, um, that's not part of it. But they never have it become so critical that uh, the, the shows will feel dated. You know, there's always that relevancy that I think if you take a show that, you, that we did in 2002 and you listen to it now, it's still going to feel like it's relevant. Mm. Well, you know, speaking of that, just being relevant, I know we've been talking on, on our last uh, few shows uh, just all of the, the the percentage of how many kids are leaving the church by the time they get into college. And what, what do you suggest for parents that are out there that um, are really seeing that where you, you feel like you have done such a good job in having Christ be, you know, the sinner in your, in your home. And yet kids are just going, Nope, not for me. Once they, once they get out of the house, they're not accepting this faith that you feel that, you know, they're really grounded in. Well, you know, I think sometimes we can look at those statistics and and have a minor panic attack, but Mm -hmm. uh, I I am convinced that the, the passage that talks about, um, you know, raising up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. I believe that there, there may be a season of separation and exploration. And my, uh, my prayer for my children, as, as a dad myself, is that, that during that season of trying to own their own faith, trying to embrace the Lord and have their own uh, experience uh, with Him, that, um, that they don't wander into places that are going to hurt them in, in significant ways. You know what I mean? I think that there, there may be that time when uh, they may be a little uh, unsure about uh, how they feel about church or, or what kind of church they want to be part of, or once they're in college, you know, how do they connect with peers and uh, reinforce the spirituality that we tried to teach them at home. So I, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I can't say because I'm walking through that myself right now with my wife. But I, I would like to believe that our prayers for our kids uh, ultimately will have them revisiting the things that they learned, those truths that were so essential, you know, prayers around the dinner table and the conversations that we have, whether it's about popular culture uh, whether it's about Scripture itself, whether it's, you know, the, the debriefs we have with them when they come back off of missions trips. I mean, those things, I, I don't think they're ever going to go away. So if we do our job as parents, uh, they'll be stored away in their memory banks. And I do trust the Holy Spirit is going to work in their lives uh, because God loves them as much if, more than we do. And, and, and he's not going to let them go. He's going to complete the work that he began in them. And we just hope that in the meantime that they don't make choices in those exploring years that, uh, that could derail them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know what? And um, it, it, there is no, we always say there's like no given formula that works. If you do this plus this, you get this result. But, right. you know, there are some principles and some, like you said, there's some things that we can be doing within our home. And I think one of the biggest things that we found with our if raising our kids who are now um, grown is um, it's just that relationship, having fun, having the open conversation that nothing is taboo and we're not going to be shocked by anything. But we want to have be at that safe place where you can come and we can process out loud together without right. bringing in that shame and judgment and guilt but let's just process through. Let's ask questions. You know, so what do you think? So like just having that open dialogue, because I know a lot of parents are like, I don't, you know, there's so many parents that haven't had that role model themselves to know mm-hmm. how do I have that with my children? How would you just, you know, um, address that with parents going, 
How do I have those conversations? What does that look like? How do I create that culture within my home that is safe for my child to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I just saw this. What do you think? Yeah, well, you asked a very big question, and I'm not sure that I can give an answer that addresses it adequately, other than to say the focus on the family has spent many, many years developing the kind of content that I think will help parents wade through those areas and answer those questions. And uh, so focus on the family. Um, if, if folks want to come to our website and just explore, um, there's great parenting areas, uh, and they may find some of the answers. I know with Plugged In, uh, we always tried to – we had a very uh, laser focus in the sense that we tried to help parents talk about culture. How do you open conversations about the movie you just watched or the song that may be playing on the radio in a car? And that tended to be where our emphasis was. But as a ministry, we have spent uh, a great deal of energy trying to answer some of those questions and give parents tools that will help them navigate those years. I, I can tell you this, though. I, I'm, I, I feel as you're asking the questions, I'm looking at my own immediate uh, situation in my parenting, and I just remember last night getting home and feeling exhausted. It was a long day. I was in the office at 6.30 in the morning. I left at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, we're getting all the Adventure Club material ready to go up on the first of the month, so it's a very busy week for me. And I got home, and my 14-year-old son, who never draws breath, I think he may come by it honestly, but he just has all <laughs> kinds of things on his mind, and he just he wanted to talk and talk and talk about things that, uh, that really were you know, from a parent's perspective, kind of, kind of silly and not very important. And you know, it was about the what was going on in his guitar or what some some silly video he saw online about a guy riding a, a buffalo. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't have the energy for this. And God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Yeah, but you don't have that much time with him. You real. This is when he needs you most. Mm. I don't care if you're tired. I'll give you what you need to kind of get through this. Mm-hmm. And But that's, that's, I think, what we need to remember because there's so much that is going to exhaust us as parents. Um, parenting is a hard job, and, and especially when we have all these other things competing for our attention, that when we get those windows, even when we're really tired, we have to make time because you just never know when you're going to have a moment when a, when a certain – a conversation will turn a certain way, you know, I, I love to plan things, but if I sit down with my kids, they're at an age now where if I said we're having family Bible study every, you know, every night this week, they'd kind of look at me like I had two heads as if to say, Dad, come on, aren't we a little old for this? We've got, you know, I, I have my own quiet time. You know, I've got busy, I'm busy with my friends. I've got all these things going on. Don't try and schedule time like that. Uh, they don't say it in so many words, but I get that vibe from them. And I know other parents might get that feeling too, but you get those moments that pop up when you least expect them. And if you're just available to them, uh, they can turn into wonderful dialogues. Well, and you know what? It, it is about seizing the moment. And you're right, because there are those times that are not planned that are, can be the most significant moments. Like you said, and you're exhausted and you're like, I don't have time for this. But it is seizing those moments and just showing up and being there and listening that can change everything. And, and our kids see that, okay, you care, you're there, and work isn't more important that I really do matter. And I, and I think just being aware of that within ourselves, uh, that the potential of a moment, and it's insignificant as we may judge it. Well, we're going to take a break and take a moment here to transition. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with, with Bob. And we just appreciate this is a fun conversation. So take a quick moment. We'll be right back. 
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, Scott found that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. The word perfume comes from the Latin perfumum, which means through smoke. Eau de Cologne comes from the name of a town in Germany where this type of perfume originated. The French say the only reason to wear perfume is to attract the opposite sex. Oh, and never ask a French woman what scent she wears, as they prefer to keep it hugger-mugger or secret. Perfumes are generally made from bits and bats of different materials that have unique scents. You know, if women are trying to attract men, why do we wear perfume that smells like flowers? I think we'd get more guys if we smelled like bacon. The best advice for applying perfume is just a dabble do. What's a word for a trifling amount? Hitherx sans kitterax. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We have been chatting with Bob Smithhauser, who is co-host and producer of the Odyssey Adventure Club. And Bob, I just truly, truly love your your last tip of seizing those moments with your kids. And I, I know when my son was was fourteen, it was taking the time to have those moments. He. He is surrounded by women in our house, so he doesn't get a whole lot of just like one-on-one time. And his would be right around that time at 10 o'clock at night when I was completely exhausted. And I would go in to say goodnight to him, and he would, all of a sudden, the floodgates would open, and he would start just chatting my ear off. And I'm looking at him thinking, you haven't said one word to me all day long. But now <laughs> when I want to crawl into bed, all of a sudden you want to talk about, you know, everything that's taken place in the last five years of your life. And truly, just like you said, just going, okay, this is it. And I don't care how wiped out you are, you need to be here. And now that he's 21 and you established that relationship way back when they were in their early, you know, all the way into their teens, you have that where you you can take those moments. You can't just all of a sudden grab those moments when they go into adulthood if you didn't take the time to create that foundation when they were younger. And I think that is one of the best tips that you can give to people is take the time now because um, – they, they remember those moments. They really do. 
Yeah, yeah, it's sort of like uh, making deposits in the relationship bank. Mm -hmm. You do that, and then there's those times when they're older where you can withdraw on that too. But uh, I think perhaps as you've discovered, because your son's 21, my daughter being 18, entering her senior year of high school, you, we realize the window is closing. You know, there's going to be mm -hmm. that time that uh, we're we're counting all. You know, as a parent, you count all the firsts, and then you start counting the last. You know, this is the last time we'll be able to do this together as a family you know, the way that we're doing it this year, you know, maybe the last Thanksgiving that we have before she's at college and she's staying on campus through the holidays then. Mm -hmm. So you start to value them a little bit differently. I think for parents who are caught in the, the washing machine of those in-between years where you've forgotten the first and you're not quite at the last, uh, you just need to be reminded that time moves so quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the truth? I, I have one that's just now going into high school and um, Lisa and I laugh because we used to, you know, work in the, in the kitchen so many times with our computer there and she would be throwing things at our head and just, she was, you know, a baby crawling around <laughs> on the floor and, and now, you know, they're running out the door going to high school. You just, it, it, uh, Lisa's son always says the, um, the days are long, but the years are short. And if you can mm. remember that. Um, and just take, take those moments. Uh, I, I feel that with my youngest, you appreciate so much more because you know how quickly it's going to go by. How old is your, is the 14 year old, your youngest? Uh, he is my youngest. Yes. We've got one girl, one boy. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And, uh, I can remember Lisa, when your son was that age at 14 and now he's, um, in front of me preaching, on Sunday morning. So <laughs> it's crazy how, how that can happen. Well, Bob, what would, what would be a tip? Um, another one, cause that's a great one to make sure you're seizing those moments. Uh, what would be another tip when you've been in this industry for nearly 25 years on, uh, telling parents, how can you pour into your kids that way to once again, that they're going to truly own their faith? Yeah, well, and, and this is going to sound like a commercial, so forgive me, but, you know, I, I love the Odyssey Adventure Club for the reason that it allows us to take families deeper than merely the Adventures and Odyssey episodes on the radio. Um, anyone who is a fan of the show knows that uh, we've got these 25-minute radio dramas set in the town of Odyssey, and uh, at the very end of the show, we'll have our host, Chris, will come on, and she'll kind of tie a bow on things and share a scripture verse and uh, reinforce the theme of, of that episode. Uh, we've always felt that we'd love to be able to have a deeper engagement with kids especially, 8- to 12-year-olds is our core, but for the families that love Odyssey, and the club allows us to do that. So in addition to having all all the episodes, nearly 800 of them, available to stream on demand as part of the club, we also have exclusive episodes that we create every single month and support content that goes with it. For example, right now we're um, in the middle of a show, uh, it's a kids' radio presentation of Pinocchio that is just hilarious. I just love it. But there's wonderful themes about foolishness and wisdom and um, being, uh, you know, honoring your elders and honesty and all those different things. We have family discussion questions. We have puzzles. We have ways for, for families to engage with those audio dramas together and open up conversation so that when Pinocchio is, you know, 
sold to the circus as a donkey. Uh, there are <laughs> questions you can ask that just open up the floodgates of, of dialogue. Mm-hmm. They may not be deeply spiritual, all of them, but maybe you can say something like, well, you know, Pinocchio found himself in the circus. If you were in the circus, what kind of performer would you like to be in the circus? And so for a a six-year-old, you might get one kind of an answer. For a 16-year-old, you might get a different kind, but it opens up that kind of dialogue. And I think that being able to find that common ground, and Odyssey is a great show for that because it's intelligent enough for older viewers, and yet it's not so sophisticated that you can't enjoy it with a six-, seven-, eight-year-old. When you can enjoy those shows together, um, it just gives you, um, at a time when maybe you're being polarized because parents are are fascinated by one type of entertainment, kids are interested in another, it's something they can enjoy together. And I really, I don't underestimate the value of having something that you can enjoy together. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. And, and, and we always say there, it's a lost art of people asking questions. We don't ask enough questions and, and mm-hmm. even allow each other, our kids, and even ourselves to use our imagination to go, what if, and ask a question, mm-hmm. and what would you be? And, and we don't do that ourselves. You know, we stop short, and we don't allow ourselves to kind of dream and kind of take it, you know, beyond the moment and, and to go, how would I feel? What would I do? How would I, you know? And that is really, um, that's important. And I think we don't do that enough, um, even asking ourselves that question. And which leads me to a question for you is, um, in your voice, you know, you, you, first of all, you have a great radio voice. You should really be in the entertainment. Um, uh, <laughs> but you, you have such great energy that just comes across an enthusiasm and you can tell you embrace life, you love life and people. How do you personally stay motivated? What lights you up that you like, you know, gets you up in the morning? How do you keep that, that vision and, and, you know, just that energy alive every day? You know, you've been doing this for, you know, 25 years. What, what, what's your, how do you keep your passion alive? Well, yeah, I'd love to say that I, I sound this upbeat all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be completely honest with that the case. I mean, sometimes it's exhausting. Like I said, I had a really long day yesterday, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're discipling kids. Uh, that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, 20 years of reviewing entertainment. I had a number of times people would say, how do you do it? How do you wade through some of the garbage of the culture and, and not have it get to you? And um, I say, listen, if I have to go see a film and review a movie that, that uh, you know, I feel like I need a, a shower afterwards, uh, it, it may be discouraging. But at the same time, I realize I may be rescuing hundreds of families from being exposed to the same junk. Um, that really was my attitude. It was always a matter of, God, what is it you want me to communicate uh, for the betterment of the people who are reading or, or listening to what we have to say? And, and I, I think the Odyssey Adventure Club, and I, I haven't given the website, so if you don't mind, I'd love to just let people know where they can check it out. Absolutely. Um, it's at oaclub.org. And uh, right now we've got a special promotion. Uh, we've only got a couple of days of this left, but the first month of the club is only $5. So if people would like to check it out, this would be a great opportunity to, to uh, get a month's uh, uh, worth of exposure to it and, and uh, really, really binge on it. I mean, have a great time in there. But oaclub.org. But I love the fact with the Odyssey Adventure Club, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, uh, you know, Patty and Lisa, because what, what would happen with Plugged In was parents loved us. 
But the kids weren't always so crazy about us. It was like, oh, you're the one who is reviewing these things and I'm not allowed to see. Thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> Whereas with Adventures in Odyssey, everybody loves it. And there's, there's no downside of seeing. We just got back from California. We were doing our, our voice recording sessions for the club for next year and uh, got a chance to uh, work with the actors in the studio. And we had a family come to visit. It was so cool because the dad told us, he said, you know, I started listening to Adventures in Odyssey when I was eight years old. Wow. And now my kids, we listen to it together as a family. And they were an Odyssey family. We hear that all the time, that these shows and these characters have become part of their family. And, uh, it's, and it's crossing generations. We now have generations of parents who grew up with Odyssey as kids. Mm -hmm. So we just, we're excited that the club not only is discipling kids in a deeper way, but it's also allowing us uh, to generate revenue with a new model that's going to ensure the safety and, and the health of Odyssey for years to come. Well, and you know what, and that whole generational thing, that's got to be rewarding to see where you, know, you say right. Odyssey families and see that it's working and it's passing on and it's still relevant. It goes back to that. And, um, you know, what you were saying is like, you know, I, I know none of us every day we get up and it's roses and it's, you know, we or feel like dancing, you know, into the day and it's exhausting doing ministry. But I think the difference and what you communicated so articulately is that, you know, that what you do matters, it's making a difference. And you know why you do it. And I think that's really significant because a lot of times we can go through the motions of even ministry and, and not really know that, why am I compelled to do this? You know, am I just doing it because I thought I was supposed to do it? But knowing that what I do really is, is making an impact for the kingdom and it is, it's making a difference in people's lives. And that's got to give you so much um, satisfaction to know that, People, like you said, then you hear that the, the response from these Odyssey families. Well, we just have like one minute, Bob. And thank you again for joining our show, taking the time out as your busy day. And hopefully, um, you know, you've been refreshed and, and you know that what you do, it does matter. And it's made a difference even in to us and to our listeners, we know. But what is in just the last the minute we have left? What is something you just want to leave um, with our listeners just to encourage them and um, in what they're doing? Well, I think, uh, you know, the Bible says that whatever we do, we should do it with all of our heart as unto the Lord. And and that, in, whether that's uh, writing uh, scripts for Odyssey, which is sort of a high-profile job, or whether it's whatever whatever God has given us to do in our vocation or as parents, uh, that every moment counts. And, and we do need to seize it and realize that once that moment is gone, we never get it back. Um, not to create undue pressure on ourselves, but just, just to appreciate the fact that sometimes when we're in the muck of the day-to-day, uh, we can take for granted the fact that we're always going to have those opportunities, and we aren't. So, uh, so I, I would encourage people to investigate the club at oaclub.org and see how we might be able to, to be a blessing to them. Thank you so much for joining our show, Bob, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Patty. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 